Last week we spoke about we spoke on Ephesians 1 verse 1 and I got to about verse 5 and I snuck verse 6 kind of like in there in my uh, in my closing because uh, I was planning to preach on way more but <laughs> we just didn't get there in time and so today I'm picking up with verse 7 we're going to get there in a minute but so that we position our hearts correctly before the word of God how many of you know this is the word of God it does not contain words of God it is the Word of God. And you can come to it as like a, you know, a one of many opinions, or you can come to this as authoritative, life-giving information, right, or instruction. And it depends on how you approach it is what you will gain from it. And so we do a, a, a declaration in the beginning of every service to kind of position ourselves correctly toward this word. Okay, so stand with me real quick, and we're going to make this declaration. Put it up on the screens there for us, boys. Thank you. Are you ready with me? There we go. One, two, three. This is the word of God. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. Therefore, I declare boldly. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I have been forgiven and set free. I have mountain-moving faith. The Holy Spirit empowers me to be a witness. My heart is receptive and my mind is alert. I'm ready to receive from the incorruptible, imperishable, everlasting Word of God. Today's word will accomplish all that it's sent out to do in me, and I will never be the same. Holy Spirit, we pray that you will implant these words in our hearts and minds today. And as they sprout up, that they will bring life, clarity, that they will drown out all other voices, all other opinions, so that your word might produce in us everything that you have designed us for. I pray that in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. 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 So last week, we started talking about this concept of being in Christ. And Ephesians 1 says these words, in Christ, in Him, in Christ, in Him, in Christ, in Him, almost eight times. And so we understand that there is a position that you and I as children of God can be in that affords us certain realities, that makes certain things available to us that is not available to you if you are not in Christ. And what we saw last week is that we have been blessed. We are blessed. We are chosen. In Christ, we are holy. That's a big one to accept because we all know that we are still sinful. We are still failing in that pursuit of holiness, yet the Bible declares over us a state of holiness because we have chosen to trust in Christ for our salvation and not in our goodness, not in our good works. So God sees us as holy if we are in Christ, blameless, and then predestined to be adopted as His heirs. Right? As his heirs. Now, an heir is somebody that has access to an inheritance, right? All of y'all grew up in a house, and based on whether your children or your, your parents were, you know, good parents or, or, you know, they were able to leave an inheritance 
that you might be enjoying right now. Some of you don't have to, you know, you never had to buy your own car because you were blessed with that vehicle. Some parents did not follow Christ or they did not always make wise decisions or life happened and they were unable to do so, but you were not given an inheritance. And so now it's your job to take the reins and say, I am going to build up something that's coming, going to be given to my kids as a, as a godly parent and as a Christ follower. But wherever you might be, we understand the, process, we understand the concept of receiving an inheritance. And if you receive an inheritance and it's not free, then it's not an inheritance, then you're buying something. And I've seen also here how parents will sell their kids things. In my opinion, that doesn't really make sense uh, unless there is, you know, a need for the parent to be sustained through a transaction. But don't call that an inheritance because an inheritance is by virtue of the concept, not something that the child, the heir has to pay for. You get that pro bono, right? You get that for free. So we are predestined to be adopted as heirs, and we are accepted in the beloved, and that this is God's original design for all of us. Say this, I am destined to walk with God in 2023. Now, because God knew that you would mess it up, I would mess it up, what he did was before he made us, he already made up his mind that he would have to make a way for us to be able to do so. That's how we are predestined. He predestined us for adoption in Christ. In other words, he made a plan before we even were there that he would have to make a way in Christ for us to be able to live out what we were destined to live out in the first place. And so that's why the Bible says the lamb was slain before even the foundation of the world. Before any one person was ever even created, God knew that he would have to make a way for us to walk with him. And then he went ahead and he created. And every person and every human being that, was, that came from the loins of Adam and Eve, which by the way is all of us, have access to that predestined adoption in Christ. It doesn't talk about a specific people. It talks about the only specific way that you can access your destiny. And that is to be adopted in Jesus Christ. That is to accept that offer of Christ uh, through that came through Christ. And so we are destined to be God-like representatives on earth, right? Carrying his love, carrying his mandate. Y'all can keep rolling those slides and the authority to see his assignments accomplished, okay? God-like representatives on earth. That's our original design. Keep going. And another one. You got it? Nope. Come back. There you go. There you go. And so I want to read Genesis 1 verse 26 for us because it's the foundation verse of just where do we get this design from? Verse 26 says, then, then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And you can read over that and kind of forget what it just said. God said, not just any person, God said, let us make man in our image. Let us make man in our image. After our likeness. The, 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 this is a huge statement. 
And then it says, let them carry dominion. Let them have authority on earth to fulfill the task, the mandate that I was about to give them. And he closes it off by saying, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And it's incredible to see that the only designation that God clarifies about our design is got nothing to do with the shade of our skin, but it has something simply to do with our gender. God defines two genders, and he celebrates that as this is good. He mentions that because it's necessary to mention that so that we do not have to have confusion about that. If you're a woman, uh, God created you as good. If you're a man, God created you as good. And he is proud to call you something that was created in his image and someone that he wants to have relation with, that he wants to have connection with. So this shows what we were originally designed and meant for, destined for, to walk with God as these godlike agents that has a relationship with him, a connection with him, that has the authority to do what he is able, given us to do, and the power to, to be able to fulfill that task. And then, before everything happened in the Garden of Eden where Adam and Eve sinned, Adam and Eve walked blameless, shameless, sinless before God and chosen. Why? Because he chose them and he destined them to walk in that time with him as the first human beings, right? But they were completely void of any form of guilt and shame until the minute that they disobeyed God. And all of a sudden, all that came on them, guilt, shame. And then suddenly an awareness of themselves that they did not have before. They realized that they were naked. Whereas before there was absolutely no form of self-awareness because there was just an absolute God awareness. They did not have to look at themselves because God was their all in all. And all of a sudden they were trying to find in themselves something that would, that would make up for the disconnection that they felt when they sinned. And that's what we all try to do. We try to find something in ourselves to give us worth, to make us feel worthy again. And as you try to do that, you come to the realization that I am naked. I just cannot clothe myself with worth. And normally that shame and that guilt makes me want to hide and makes me want to run away from God and seek something anything that will give me a form of validation about me that makes me feel better about me. Right now, it's this whole gender ideology thing that's running around. Looking for something that will make me feel a little bit more worthy about me so that I can cover what I intuitively understand as I am not worthy. And so God brings us to this message to say, look, I understand what you might be going through, but I've already made a plan for this to be fixed. The solution is you have to come into Jesus Christ 
And what Ryan said before was so, so powerful. It's when you come to Christ. It's not you coming to Christ to show Him your goodness, to tell Him how come He needs to accept you. No, it's you coming to Christ to get rid of you so that you can become aware of Him, so that you can be clothed with Him, His perfection, His holiness, His worthiness. And so you don't have to look to yourself to make you feel good again. You don't have to look at yourself and try and find a way to, 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 feel, um, to feel valuable. Because He is your value. He makes you valuable because He died on a cross for your sin. Because He laid His life down for you. That communicates to you the ultimate value that you have as an individual. He was willing to die for you. That makes you valuable. And when you start connecting to that, I believe, I believe there's, there's, a, there's a point to be made about this whole concept of I'm identifying as something or someone or, or etc. Because it, it, it actually teaches you the skill of how to lay down yourself and pick up something. The only thing we now need to do is understand that when I'm laying down myself, what I'm laying down is my incomplete view of me, and I'm picking up Christ who completes me. And so I'm identifying with Christ's version of me, the completed, the healed, the provided, <laughs> the valued version of me. And whenever you look at yourself in any other form or way, you are missing the blessing and the peace and the joy that comes with, the peace and the joy that comes with accepting Christ's version of me. And that's where God wants us to walk in His view of us. And I believe Ephesians speaks so powerfully about this. In Ephesians 1 verse 7, it echoes these thoughts. Even for us who might think that, man, I've just missed it too much. I've walked too far away from this thing called the, the reality of Scripture. I can't get back to it. Verse 7 says, in Him we have redemption. Through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace. How beautiful was the songs we sang today. The riches of His grace. Verse 8, which He lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. Now here it is, the word redemption in the original language means to buy back a captive. To buy back a captive. So if you think that, man, you've messed up too far, you've walked away too far from this, what you're describing is somebody who's unable to come back by themselves. You're captive. That's what redemption is for. It doesn't matter where you're at. It doesn't matter how far you've gone. It doesn't matter how much you've messed up. The blood of Christ redeems. It buys back the captive. So it literally rips you out of whatever is holding you back from accepting this. It can, it can save you. And it forgives you. So we are totally delivered of that perspective of guilt, shame, unworthiness, that incompleteness, which is, which is a bondage 
which is something that takes, cap, cap, takes our minds captive and makes us view ourselves in that fashion. Christ comes through his word, through this word that's being spoken today, to come to redeem you, to buy you back, to pluck you out of the clutches of whatever is holding on to you so that you can be free. You can be free, forever redeemed. In Christ, you can be redeemed and you can be forgiven. And if you've already accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then that is what your reality is. Even if your physical time-bound experience says something different, the truth that reveals reality, because that's the first thing we spoke on two weeks back when we said God created reality, so he defines reality. I don't get to redefine reality because I have a different experience from what he defined in the beginning. Because he created it, he gets to define it. So you get his reality back, even if your experience of it isn't in this time-bound existence yet there. But you are it. And it's a, I know that's a difficult concept to grasp, but that is something that is, that's a key. That's a key. Because that's why the Bible says you walk by faith and not by sight. Even if you don't feel it, even if you don't think it, because the Bible says it is it, it is it. That is your reality. And so what you can do from that is because you've been given as a God-like agent that authority to accept that reality, now you can start the battle. Now you can say to whatever you're experiencing, I don't believe you. What I do believe is what the creator of reality has said about me. The redeemer of my reality has said about me. And so I will start walking according to it. And I will start making decisions based on it, not based on my experience. Because in there is an ever-increasing void of disappointment and delusionment. It takes you away further and further and further away from what is true, what is, a true, what is truly the blessing that you're seeking after, the value and the worth that you're seeking after. So verse 9 and 10 kind of brings a concluding thought to this first part of Ephesians 1. It says, He made known to us the mystery of His will. What I just spoke about. The fact that He destined you to walk and predestined you to be adopted in Christ so that now you're able to walk in what He had planned for you all along. He made known the mystery of His will according to His purpose which He set forth in Christ. And then in verse 10 it says, as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. The plan, the ultimate plan that God has is to bring the rulership he has in the heavenly realm and the rulership that he's building on the earthly realm to bring it all together in one place, in one rulership where the saints who died before Jesus came to earth, who were looking forward to their salvation, and the saints who died after Jesus was born and looks back to Christ for their salvation, all gets united in one place. And the heavenly beings that were separated from the earthly beings all get gets united in Christ. That is his ultimate plan that he's leading, that he's building toward. And guess, you, guess what? You and I in Christ are going to be included in that. By the power of His grace. 
and by the power of his, his um, the redemption that he made available to us. So that is a glorious place to look forward to. But it doesn't leave us here and now with just a future hope. Listen to what Ephesians 1 verse 11 says. In him we have obtained an inheritance. Having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. In other words, if you're in Christ and he planned for you to be in Christ, which he planned for all to be in Christ, only some accepts it and really enters into Christ in faith and in submission to his will. That's how you enter into Christ, right? He said, you have obtained an inheritance. Now, the beauty of this is it speaks of that unification moment one day. It does speak of that. But it doesn't only speak of that. Because as you will see in the next couple of verses, his image that was given to us carries with it incredible presence and carries with it incredible purpose. And so it wouldn't have been necessary to give that to us now if all we had to do was hold on tight to your dreams. If we just had to hold on for dear life until kingdom come, then none of this would have been necessary because the grace of God covered our sin, right? It would cover our, our mis, 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 uh, misdemeanors. And, and, and all we had to do was basically just hang on to grace until one day we go to heaven. But this is where I always tell people, the goal of Christianity isn't heaven. And we need to get that into our skulls. It's not heaven. It's the image of Christ restored on the inside of your mind, heart, and practice. That's the goal of Christianity. Because as we see here in, in, in the few, in coming verses, that this identity that he gives us enables us to do stuff. So God doesn't give you a bottle of water if he doesn't intend for you to drink it. Which I need to drink some of this now. When he gives it to you, he intends that you will use it. So when he gave you his identity, and when he gave you his presence, he's meaning for you to use that. To walk in it. And to accomplish everything that it would enable you to accomplish. That's the original design. We were designed for connection. But somehow in Christianity, we've just started speaking about this relationship. Christianity is not a religion. It's just a relationship. No, no, no. It's not just a relationship. It's a relationship with a radical purpose. It's a relationship that's meant to pull you into your destiny. What you are, walked, are supposed to walk in. We did not just get all this, you know, beautiful... Forgiveness and identity and, 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 and um, uh, the ability to look ourselves uh, as, as holy and blameless and adopted and um, just for love and charity. No, we got this for a purpose. We got this so that even through us, God's purposes might continue to prevail in the earth. Ephesians 12 says this. And it kind of couples with verse 13 and 14. Um, and and, and it's, it says, let me just read it and I'll, and I'll, I'll speak into it. It says, so that we 
who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. I believe it talks about those first disciples who walked with Jesus. Their names have been recorded in this book. And they are forever testifying about the power of the blood of Jesus Christ to bring redemption for all mankind. They were the first to hope in him. But for what purpose? So that their testimony might be for you and me life. Their testimony might for you and me be an encouragement to step into that same inheritance. To the praise of his glory. Their names were recorded here. Their stories were recorded here. This whole thing was written. So why? It wasn't written to us, but it was written for us. So that we might step into the same reality that they stepped into. So that God may be glorified even more and more and more each time another person steps into Christ. So that's why I believe this verse is that we might be to the praise of His glory. But listen to what 1340 says. In Him... You also. Say, me also. Me also. When I heard, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and when you believed in him, you too, you were sealed with a promise of the Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance. You also received that inheritance that the same Guys who believed in him at first received until we acquired possession of it. Just that, that, that phrase there is just so amazing to me because it says to me, until we acquire possession of it. That means that there's going to be see, there's going to be some times where I fail to grasp hold of this whole thing. I'm gonna I'm gonna try to live holy because I see myself holy, but I'm gonna fail. Why? Because I'm not fully grasping a hold of this yet. Everybody says right believing leads to right living. So we got we to we work on our mindsets. How do we see ourselves? How do we, what do we believe about ourselves? The more we believe this identity about ourselves, the more it becomes natural practice. Okay, A fish swims because it's a fish. He's not a fish because he swims. Otherwise, we all have scales and gills, right? Unless you're one of those people that don't swim. Who in you don't swim? I. You, you'll be the only human here. No, no, no. Our nature determines our activity, our action. And so because my nature is blameless, holy, uh, 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 forgiven and redeemed, if I can get my, my mind to fully grasp that, my decisions produce holiness. Produce actions that don't make me feel sh- ashamed of it. And let me tell you, this, this is an ever-progressing journey. This isn't something that any one person fully gets to grasp fully in this lifetime. But our goal is to, to keep on pursuing that perspective about ourselves. To, to build upon the, the successes of yesterday and to, and to accept the redemption from the failures of yesterday so that I can continue to, to repent. The word repent means to change my thinking. Listen to me, guys. The word repent does not, believe, does not mean I'm saying sorry for my sin. That's when you ask forgiveness. If you ask for forgiveness, you say I'm sorry. But when you repent, you say, I don't think of myself like that anymore. Yeah. 
I now think of myself as holy and blameless. Without repentance, you cannot live a holy lifestyle. Because when you repent, you change your thinking. Your thinking starts shifting toward what the Bible says about you. Now when you believe what it says about you, all of a sudden you start living like that. I believe it's time for us to allow the Holy Spirit to redefine us. To tell us who we are. Instead of us trying to define ourselves the whole time. Ineffectively. Unsatisfyingly. Never really getting what we need. Being disappointed the whole time. Until we truly accept who he says of us who we are. Until we acquire possession of it. But for what? For the praise of his glory. I believe this, this brings a little bit of a shift in this whole conversation about identity. Because identity is not just there for us to have the benefit of walking uh, in victory over our sin. But our, our, we've been blessed to be a blessing. Like these boys who wrote down their stories, who spoke to nations, who went to people that nobody even thought that they were going to be included in this whole deal about Jesus. The Gentiles, right? Everybody thought the Samaritans and all, them go, all those boys, they were going to be like, you know, I don't know what was going to happen to them. But the Israelites thought that Jesus was just for them. Jesus comes and says, hey, <laughs> I'm not just here for you. I'm here for everybody. And guess what? You're going to go tell them. So if you thought that Jesus was just here for you, Jesus is here today to tell you that's not so. Jesus wants you to go tell everybody that he came for them so that your life might become to the praise of his glory, to the praise of his glory. The more people who encounter you and see through you, see Christ in you, and hears the message of Christ from you, the more people will enter into Christ and it will glorify our Father in heaven. And this leads to the last concluding verses of Ephesians 1. So I'm going to focus on verse 17 to 19 before we end chapter 1. It says, Paul, therefore, in verse 16, he says, for this reason, because, he's referring to himself, because we were meant to live our lives to the praise of his glory. And you were also, now, you who were once afar off, the Gentiles who did not have access to God because God was um, focusing on Israel to usher in Jesus first. And then Jesus said, no, 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 this needs to bust out to everybody. You who were far off now will be brought near because you have been brought near and have been included in this inheritance, therefore now you too need to go out and tell even yet further away from Christ's peoples across the whole face of the earth that they are also meant to be included. God also destined for them to be included. Thank God for that because that's us, y'all. Christianity did not originate in Europe. It did not. We are the blessed recipients of people who obeyed this message. And so because they obeyed 
and because they conform to the image of the one who obeyed. And we look at them as models and we conform to their image. Follow Paul as he follows Christ. So are we to obey this message to the praise of his glory that our testimonies would go out. Each and every one of us in this room are destined for this. And he says, for this reason, I'm going to pray for you right now. <laughs> Thank God. Paul prayed for you and I in this room right here. He prayed for us. He says, for this reason, because I heard of your faith and your love to all, I have not ceased to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation of the knowledge of him. Spirit of wisdom and revelation of the knowledge of Him. I believe it refers to everything that He just talked about. That you were destined to walk with Him. That you were predestined in Christ to be adopted as an heir. And to receive all the benefit that was given to Christ. So that we can walk as Christ. Let me not get ahead of myself. Listen to what this says. Verse 18. Having the eyes of your heart enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. If you don't see this yet, I pray that your eyes of your heart will be enlightened. Because if you're not seeing it, your eyes of your heart is still closed. And I pray, and it's something that the Holy Spirit needs to do. It's not something I can do. And I pray that you will hear him, hear his words, hear his heart, hear the plan that he had for you right from the beginning that you might fundamentally view yourself as he says you are, not as your culture says you are, not as your generation says you are, not as your birth gender says you are, but as he says you are. Because he defines us. What is this hope? of the calling that he's talking about here. I believe this is incredible. Everybody say this, intimacy, inheritance, and influence. Write that down, intimacy, inheritance, and influence. We've seen in the previous verses how coming into Christ and being redeemed and being forgiven and being washed clean enables us to step into a relationship with God. It is not your good works that makes you able to step into a relationship with God. It is His grace and your faith combined that makes you able to step into this relationship with God. That was what He intended from the very beginning. Intimacy with man. Now for us men, sometimes the word intimacy doesn't equate very well because we're, it's, it's like in our, in, our, in our concept of it, it's an effeminate term. But, but if you have a healthy relationship with your father, and, 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 and what we as men, older men might, that, that did, may not have, ha, may not, what's the word, why would have had or had? May not have had, I think it's have had. May not have had a great relationship with our fathers from a previous generation our at least in my culture our my previous generation the fathers were cold and kind of like disconnected emotionally and and and, and not always very um uh, uh involved um but you might have a different experience praise god but if you did not it's time for you to look at 
fathers who have healthy relationship with their sons and see how their sons relate to them. Like last night, my boy climbed, climbed onto my lap, and then he just, he snuggled. I mean, he, he, they, they just, you know, out and about the whole day, you know, and he was there um, with his swimming trunks on, and he just came and sat with me. And, I mean, he just, he, he, he put his whole face into me. Like, you know, it was like he was just, you know, like a, I can imagine like a little dog that just wants to like, you know, come in somewhere in there. He, he, after a while, I was like, what are you doing? Like, you're all over me. It's like, Dad, I'm cold. I'm good. Just hold me. And I was just holding him. I was just holding him. And I, and I, was, I was, you know, just rubbing his back. And, and after a while, I stopped. And he said, no, Dad, continue. Do that more. Do that more. So there I was, just like me and my boy, just having the most intimate, moment where he is totally secure there's nothing not a worry in the world in his father's embrace there's no shame there's no guilt there's no condemnation and if you can imagine that concept of intimacy where you're sitting with your father And there's absolute security. There's absolute peace. No guilt. No shame. No, oh, sorry, Dad, I haven't done this yet. Or, oh, Lord, I I, I need to do that still. But there's just rest and peace. That's what the Bible wants to communicate when it says, you and I were meant for intimacy with our Father. And the women get this quicker than men. But men, I want to challenge you. To, 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 to build toward that. To be in that place with your heavenly father. Where you can almost feel his embrace. Even if it's just in the form of thoughts and words that says to you, I've got you my son. You're accepted. You are safe. I'm going to walk this out with you. I got you. And maybe you can in those moments just venture out a little bit and say, Lord, I love you. I thank you. I appreciate you. I believe that there is no purer worship than those moments. And God wants that for you. But God also wants inheritance for you. Let's read this verse again. Sorry, verse 18. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know the hope to which he has called you. Right? And what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? That we don't have to perform to get this. We get this because of our, our, our familial position. You get this because you're a son or an heir. You don't get this because you lived right. You don't get this because you were good. You don't get this because you, you, you did everything that he asked you to do. You get this because you're a, a child of God. You get intimacy. You 
get inheritance. And then you get influence. Verse 19 says, And what's the immeasurable greatness of His power toward us who believed according to the working of His great might that raised Jesus from the dead, now also raised you into familyhood, but also empowered Jesus to live the life He lived. And guess what? Also empowers you to live the life that He wants you to live. This hope of calling is that every Christian has been called to this. That's you in this room. That's me. Every Christian has been called to intimacy, inheritance, and influence. And you've given, you've been given the power to do that as well. And I can, I can right now I can hear, oh no, I will never be able to do that. Oh no, I'm, that's not my wheelhouse. No, that's just human talk for not accepting the identity that Christ made available for you. Stop disqualifying yourself. Stop looking at yourself with less value than what Christ made available for you. If you accept His view of you, then this is what you not will be, but are already able to do. Are you holy? Yes. Do you sin? Yes. Can you influence other people, tell other people about Jesus? Yes. Are you going to sometimes struggle and maybe say the wrong thing? Yes. But just because you do that doesn't mean that you're incapable of it. Just like still sinning doesn't mean that you're no longer holy. Your holiness has been sealed by the presence of the Holy Spirit inside of you. Therefore, when you're struggling, when you're falling over your feet to try and make a disciple, to try and help somebody to know something about the Word, to have a spiritual conversation, that's okay. That's just you just getting the... Getting your muscles going again. That's just you realizing, oh my goodness, I've been sitting still for so long. I've grown stiff. But guess what? Christ wants to raise you up of the, out of that corpse-like state and get you active, get you going. But you won't be able to do this if you view yourself as different. And guess what? The first couple of chances you get to do that, you're going to have to fight who am I believing? Who am I? Who am I even? Can I do this? Well, that weird preacher guy said I could. I hope he's right. Hey, would you like to have a conversation about faith? Listen to this. There's a verse in the Bible, I couldn't find it just yet uh, because I, I remember this late. It says, as Jesus are, look at that, as Jesus is, so are we in this world. Somebody look it up. Google that, that phrase and you'll get the scripture, uh, uh, password, uh, the, 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 the address for me. Listen to this. This is not part of the scripture, but this is my words. His identity is your identity. His inheritance is your inheritance and His influence is your influence. If His identity is your identity, 
then his inheritance is your inheritance. If his inheritance is your inheritance, then his influence is your influence. As he is, so are we in this world. We are the church. We're the visible representation of Christ on earth. The Bible says here in Ephesians, in the last, in the last verse, verse 23, it says, we are the body, get this, the fullness of Him who fills all in all. We are the fullness of Christ that fills this world with the kingdom of God. You and I are the, we complete what Christ started on this world through identity, through inheritance, and through influence. And each and every one of us are called to that. Because that was our original design. That's what we were always meant to do. It was never going to be different in His design. So that's why we need Jesus, so we can get back to that. Won't you stand with me? Let's all close our eyes. If you need Jesus today, raise your hands. Lord, come and change our minds. Lord, come and help us see ourselves different from what we've brought up to see ourselves as. Lord, let your identity come settle in our hearts and minds so that we might first walk in the freedom and the victory that you gained for us on the cross. Father, and second, that we might have the influence that you meant for us to have, that we might walk as Christ walked, seeking, saving the lost, leading, guiding people to your truth. God, I pray right now, each person in this room, that their hearts will just say yes, that their hearts will just say, Lord, I don't know how, but I'm willing to let you work on my heart. I'm willing to let you, willing to let Jesus work on your heart. Just raise your hands. Just raise your hands right now. Lord, I'm willing to let you work on my heart so that my mind, so that my mindset will shift. And I would believe the words that the Holy Spirit is trying to plant into my heart today, that it might fall on a fertile ground, that it might produce a harvest of righteousness in my life, Lord God. Come and change me, Holy Spirit. I'm willing to listen. I'm willing to listen. I'm willing to set aside all my ideas, all my opinions of myself, all the things that I've come to experience and make conclusions about. I'm willing to set that aside. If that's you, if you're willing to set aside some of your conclusions about who you are, just raise your hands right now as well. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit might come and do a great deep work on our hearts. We are walk out here, God, with the calling to intimacy, the calling to inheritance, and the calling to influence embedded in our souls that we might know that you meant for us to walk as Jesus did. Each and every one of us, you even promised that we will do greater works than Christ did on earth. Lord, help us to, to move toward that. Stretch our faith, God. Give us opportunity this week to, 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 to have to wrestle with our identity. Then we might have to go, if I believe this about me, I'm definitely going to do it. But if I believe that I'm like Christ, I should probably do it. God, give us those opportunities that we would have to step into it. And give us the boldness and the faith, Lord God, to just try. To just try. Lord, we want so desperately to, to see more of you in our lives. We don't want this to just be a, a religious exercise. We're, 
We're here to be transformed, Lord, into your identity, into your image, your character, and your perspective, and your goals, and your mandates, and your intentions. Lord, let your mind become our minds. And Father, let whatever is important to you become important to us. Open our eyes to the things around us and probably more so the people around us that are important to you. We pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen, amen, amen.